Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Amy Stit. Try that again. And my guest is Amy Sitnik, VP of Marketing at Greenfire. Amy, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having so, me. Excited to yes. be here. So I love that name, Greenfire. It's it sounds almost kind of mystical. It's a I like like that name for a company. So tell our listeners so what you guys do. So it, it, fun fact: Greenfire is the only company I've ever worked for that is not an acronym. It is a really cool name. Greenfire is a technology company that supports the clinical trial industry. And basically, we remove all the financial and logistical barriers from clinical trials, which a lot of times are the things that get in the way mm-hmm. of, you know, getting drugs to market. So we make all of those things okay. easier. Okay, very cool. Now, I know one of your main marketing tactics is developing content partnerships and publishing sponsored content. So mm-hmm. what sorts of partnerships have, have you developed? Or actually, taking one step back, just for listeners who may not know, what is a content partnership? So great question. In in a prior life, I was a content marketer. And before that, I was a social media marketer. And really content is what makes all of marketing run, right? It's really, you know, what drives our messaging, you know? And so when we as Greenfire, were looking for how do we get our message out to market, you know, there's the typical channels, there's social media, there's our own email marketing, there's our website, there's advertising to get people to the website, you know, but we also want to make sure that we're putting that content on other people's websites where they may be looking for information. So since we are in a niche industry, we looked at different publications that service the clinical trial world. And so a lot of pharmaceutical companies that we're trying to target, what do those folks read? And what types of partnership opportunities do those publications have? So for example, for us, one of the big publications that's in our space is called Clinical Leader. That organization has the opportunity for you basically to create your own sort of like a microsite within their webpage. You can take your identical content that is on our Greenfire website or maybe things that are unique and put it on their website. So you're almost syndicating your own content beyond the four walls of, of your own properties. Mm-hmm. So Clinical Leader is one of the examples of the places that we've done like a content um, okay. And do you pay for that? Would you? Okay. So it's, so yeah. it's kind of like if you were to like pay a publication to run an ad in their publication, this is kind of another way of doing that without just publishing an ad. It's actual, like a story, it's content. Story, it's content, it's thought leadership, it's information, you know, so it really helps to sort of capture intent. So if people are looking for things like in our space, clinical trial reimbursement, and they're searching the web, maybe our website isn't the first thing. We hope it is the first thing, you know, through our SEO programs that's going to pop up. But other websites are really important in part of that mix because it's credentializing. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to see, you know, are you associated with other, you know, people or organizations that you know and trust or read in these scenarios. And so on this particular website, we have a lot of our content on there. That's not just thought leadership, but also brochures, mm-hmm. fact sheets, videos. So that's one of the things that, that we are working okay. on. So when you, and, and you guys create the content, right? 
We do create the okay. content. Yes. So they have a totally different editorial agenda. And then this is sort of a sponsored content. But from the naked eye, you know, it doesn't really look like, like you, it's really difficult to sort of differentiate whether or not it's a sponsored piece versus an editorial right. piece was one of the things that was, you know, a consideration for us in selecting them as a potential partner. Okay. And the yeah. other thing I do like about it is that it's, People have subscribed to their website and getting their content. They don't have to like log in yet again, mm. you know, to get yeah. our stuff, you know? So a lot of times with sponsor content partnerships, if you look at some of those sort of third party ABM programs, you know, you may be accessing a large network, but the for the, if you think about the user experience, that person still has to then you know, maybe answer a couple of questions, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, give over more personal information. In this scenario, you're just providing a resource. Okay. And is, is the whole idea that your, your sponsored content just kind of blends into the flow of the other content that's there? Like it doesn't really look or seem very different. That's exactly yeah. right. And then it gets put into their email marketing streams you know, yeah. too. So they, they use it as their own content. So they like when we're publishing things that, you know, for example, right now, diversity in clinical trials is a really hot topic, yeah. you know? And so if we're creating content on that, it, it's beneficial to them as yeah. well. Okay. And case studies. Right. For right. sure. I mean, when, when I come across sponsored content on, you know, various websites, it's usually marked as sponsored. Like there's some, it's, mm -hmm. you know, some like subtle thing at the top that says this is sponsored content. Is, is that how it works mm -hmm. for you guys too with this publication? So I'd have to go back and look at the actual, like when it's pushed out into their email campaigns, but on the website, it's in an area like in their commerce center, um, you know, but it, it's labeled, you know, green fire. Right. So it okay. literally looks like our microsite, but just on their webpage. And they have a lot of information for like helpful vendors. And I think that's the challenge today. There's been so much innovation whether you're in clinical trials, healthcare, other technology types of companies, education, whatever that your space is, there's been so much innovation. There's so many different technologies. Sometimes it's hard to choose, mm. you know? So if you're in the market for something, you might not really know, you, know, you might know that you have a pain point, but how do you solve it? And so they're going to different yeah. sites like this to sort of like learn a little bit more. And so it's sort of like connecting the dots between your own mm -hmm. website analytics as well as third-party analytics to sort of pull together a, a bigger picture and story of whether or not, you know, someone might be interested in your, in your products or services. Right. So now when you're creating this content, how is it mm -hmm. different than, and, and how is it similar to uh, creating something that you're going to publish on your own website, a white paper, a blog? Is it a kind of a, is the process much different? Is your mindset different or is it pretty much the same thing? It's same exact thing. And it's really just a like a further amplification of content that we're already creating. Okay. And, and so, so when we're thinking about the publication process, we say, all right, don't forget to let people internally know, you know, publish it like on our internal, you know, microsite, you know, where employees mm -hmm. go, publish it on our external website. Is it gated? Is it ungated? You know, and then publish on, on, you know, other properties such okay. as this. And how much editorial control do you have over the content? Do, do, are you given sort of directions by like how much, what, how much of a role, if any, does the host site play in shaping the content? So 
That's a really good question. One thing I like about this particular partnership is I do have a monthly meeting with a point of contact there. And I have a dashboard that shows me what the most popular topics have been Mm -hmm. read, you know, on that website. So I can gear future content creation towards what the readers are interested in. You know, for example, we did a case study with the Michael J. J. Fox Foundation. Mm -hmm. They were using one of our solutions and we published it on their website it was really well received. And then we also did another sponsored email campaign with them and they were able to share with us, you know, things regarding COVID and sort of like the the pivot of like to decentralized clinical trials is something that's really being read right now. So that helped us sort of, you know, pick and choose things that might be good for their newsletters to put okay. in there. You know, when I come across sponsored content on a website, I know often in my mind, like when I see the sponsored content or this is content provided by such and such company, sometimes there's a little thing that goes off in my brain that I'm like, oh, okay. So in other words, this is kind of, it's not the same as the other content on this website. Like it's trying to sell me something, you know? And so sometimes mm-hmm. I'll just skip it because I'm like, well, it's kind of like a commercial. If, if like, is that a concern? Is Is that a concern for... You guys, and if so, how do you manage that? So I think it's a really good question. And I I consider this content a little bit more bottom of the funnel content. Mm. You know, so if people are clicking on this content, they might know that it's sponsored and that's okay because they're people that know maybe who Greenfire is or know that we have a product or service that might fill a business need for them. You know, so we the sponsored content doesn't replace our PR strategy and our, you know, overall, you know, communications approach. We still, and we keep that as sort of a separate, you know, but related strategy. We're building content, you know, there's, we're spreading the love amongst lots of different publications, both local and within our industry, you know, and so we're really focused on, on keeping that editorial content alive as well. So I, it may look like it is sponsored, AKA paid, but I think this this particular publication does a really nice job at, at making it seem pretty mm-hmm. seamless. And, you know, from there, and I'm sure you want to get to this as sort of like, so what? You know, you know, what are you getting right. as a result of sponsored content? In this case, we get leads, you know, so it's definitely a lead gen campaign and we get weekly lead lists with people who've downloaded our content. Okay. So that's an obvious advantage for you guys. And, Absolutely. and yeah, in, in fact, I was going to ask, you know, sort of how do you, me- how do you know if it's working? You know, how do you measure the success? Yeah. And it seems like one clear way is the number of leads that you get from, from this. Absolutely. Number of leads and quality leads. Like, are they, are they just competitors kicking the tires, mm-hmm. you know, and, and wanting to see what we're publishing similar to, I'm sure all of us other marketers are looking at our competitors content. What are they publishing? You know, are they saying the same things, you know, that kind of thing. If it was more of a balance of, you know, competitors or other service providers reading our content, we would have Mm. stopped, you know, but we see, you know, a broad geographic disbursement of, of people reading the content. So it's not just people in the U S for us, it helps our European business since we're global. So it helps us sort of cast a really wide net. And it also, they've, it's been a lot of different types of, it's been across our different segments. You know, so there's been a couple of unexpected readers that were like, oh, I didn't realize individual clinical researchers from a university would be public- reading our content mm-hmm. there. We were creating the content initially thinking that it would just be, you know, just like big pharmaceutical companies, which it ended up not mm-hmm. being. 
So it was more diverse than we expected. Okay, interesting, and which is good information to know. Okay, yeah. So, so obviously you're you're getting a lot of value from doing this, or as you said, you wouldn't keep doing it. Mm-hmm. How how does the sponsored content strategy compare in terms of brand awareness, lead generation to other kinds of content that you're publishing, say on your own website? Sometimes when it's a paid content partnership, I feel like it's a little more tangible to see the ROI on something. So for example, if we publish a blog on our website, unless someone goes from that blog to a demo request form or downloads a white paper, we're not seeing you know, the ROI necessarily. But if I publish that same piece of content on a third-party website, I'm able to then see, oh, you know, Big Pharma likes this or Biotech's like this, you know, and see those names and be able to pass that sales intelligence over to sales reps. And I think we have to be really connected, you know, to our folks in business development to understand whether or not the, the information we're providing over to them is useful. One of the things we've pivoted to in the last year has been us as marketing taking more of a path at nurturing those contacts before it gets over to um, sales. Mm. Mm. So just because someone downloaded or, you know, looked at a white paper doesn't mean that they're necessarily ready to talk to a sales rep about outsourcing their, you know, clinical trial operations. Mm -hmm. So what can we do to sort of like warm that relationship, educate a little bit more about the problems and how we might be a solution fit. That really helps. So that person understands Greenfire is contacting me. They almost have their their own recognition. They're like, I've marketed and qualified myself. Like I've been kicking Mm. the tires. I've been registering for their webinars, visiting their website. It makes sense. Whereas before it was sort of like, wait a second, did I actually download something? I don't, I don't quite remember. Right. Yeah. So that was some feedback we got from sales and um, some improvements we've made along okay, the way. Okay. Kind of like going from lukewarm leads to actually warm leads. That's right. Right. And so you're combining that activity with other marketing mix that we may be doing. So whether those are inviting them to events, you know, sending them additional white papers, maybe they read, you know, one product sheet on that website, but there's tons of other content that we're creating. So we're continuously sending them things about green fire, about the the pain points in the industry and how we can help solve them. So what have you learned over your, since you've begun uh, publishing sponsored content, what have you learned about what works and what doesn't work? Like what not to do? Really good question. I mean, the, what works is is client testimonials and how do you use them in, in marketing? And that's not unique to just sponsor content. That's the holy grail in your content strategy all across, you know, your marketing mix. And the more that you can, you know, showcase that is really important. And then the other thing that works, but I think is also, you know, a, a bit of a double-edged sword is, you know, talking about things that are really current, like for, in our case, using technology and clinical trials and the, you know, remote trial activity, everyone knows about clinical trials a little bit more now because of the COVID pandemic. You know, a lot of the vaccines were brought to market, obviously were through clinical trials. We were involved in a lot of that process by helping to sort of facilitate the at-home compliance of clinical trial activity. Because of that, everyone was talking about the same thing. So it was really sort of hard to understand what, 
what's unique? What do people want to hear about when we're all talking about COVID? We're all talking about technology and clinical trials. It was sort of like the message was diluted. So there's not much more we could have done about that during sort of a COVID time, but I am a little bit thankful that we seem to be moving out of that. And then we're able to sort of like pull other content ideas and uh, maybe publish some other things that aren't necessarily just COVID related. So that saturation of message I think is a big challenge in content such as this and outside of, you know, content as well. Yeah, I hear you. So what's your advice for marketing teams that want to explore doing sponsored content and, and want to develop some content partnerships? How do you begin that process? So first and foremost, you know, talk to your internal teams and find out what they need. I think that everyone's going to say, we need more leads, but understand that, like, where are the leads? What business segments need the leads the most? So do your internal homework first. Also, take a look at, since things are, you know, in this case, you know, a sponsored use case, always check out the competition. What have they been publishing? You know, and so then that way your content can be a little bit different. And also, you know, you want to make sure that they're not just sort of owning a channel you know, so that you're able to you know, get your message in there and then look around and see what content you already have. You know, I'm sure that, you know, sometimes I think content marketers feel like they have to create everything from scratch and sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be, you know, so if you have one piece of content, that's a video, how can you turn that into a paper? How can you turn it into a blog and like use that in a lot of different ways? Absolutely. Well, Amy, there's so much more we could talk about, but I need to let you go because you've given us so much of your time already. So thank you so much for your time and and for all the great insights. No problem. It was really a lot of fun. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.